0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 155, Emotional Regulation. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to listen. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom so you can help your kids be imperfect too. And, and have, have harmony, harmony in the home. When I hear emotional regulation, I think of like soccer because we would play soccer in our regulation game. That was like the 90 minutes, and then anything after that, it was overtime when I hear the word regulation, I just think of soccer. So, but when I'm talking about emotional regulation, I'm talking about the tricky emotions, the negative emotions, the hot emotions, whatever you want to call it that labels things that you see in your kids, like anger, embarrassment, they might feel rejection, sadness, loneliness. When they feel tricky emotions, they automatically go from like green to red. And that's completely normal, especially the younger they are. Think about a baby who's hungry. Like they can't articulate and say, Hey mom, I need a Scooby snack. They just literally are chilling out. And all of a sudden they, they'll get a little whiny and that's their yellow zone. They're like, eh, eh. Remember the E-H-E-H? Well, not remember. My kids are 11 and 14 now, but if you have little ones, sometimes they go from zero to a hundred, but they usually give you a little bit of warning like, eh, eh that i E-H, I'm like, oh dear. So it goes from fussy to full-blown red face and they can't tell you they're hungry so they just tell you with their emotions. This is completely normal. We can see it in a baby because when we have a baby who's crying a lot, we just think, okay, have they been fed? Have they been burped? Are they teething? Do they need a new diaper? Are they hungry? We go through the checklist of all the things. Do they have a fever? And sometimes even then we check all the boxes like, okay, dry diaper, just ate 10 minutes ago, refusing a bottle, just woke up from a nap. Like we check all the boxes because it's almost like when I bring Maggie to the vet, I don't know why she's acting sullen. So the vet can probably go through some checklists and check over why she's acting sullen. Now she's hasn't been acting sullen, but if she was, we would take her to the vet. And the vet says the same thing. It's like having a newborn baby. You have to be super curious and like ask about the whole child or the whole dog and like, when was their last meal? What are they like? All the who, what, when, where, why that we do when we have a puppy or a baby who's not acting themselves or they're extra fussy. We're trying to be like detectives to try to figure it out. We do the same things with our kids when they're having a lot of big emotions. And so, just like we talk about being the flight attendant when our kids are having big emotions. The best way to teach our kids how to regulate their emotions, meaning feel the emotions but not freak out and go from zero to 100, we don't want to change the emotion, we want to change the behavior. So when we can see the behavior as a language to us, we get super curious and we're not furious because they're crying or they're upsetness. It's all because an emotion is underneath it. And when we can teach them how to regulate their emotions, Then we teach them how to be better at all the things in life. Because if you want them to be a good athlete, let's just say, they have to be able to regulate their emotions when the referee or the umpire or the judge and jury does not make a call in their favor. If they're throwing the baseball bat across the field, they're going to be ejected. They're not going to have coaches that want them on their team because no one wants to have a hothead. In high school, the college recruits come, and they don't watch the player so much as their ability. They watch afterwards, after they mess up. What's their body language? Are they kicking the ground? Are they taking it on their on their teammates? Are they yelling at their teammates? Are they taking out on the other players? Do they have a lot of red cards? Do they have a lot of yellow cards? I'm thinking soccer. So they're looking at the whole player, not just how many goals and not just their stats. So the same thing with our kids, when we teach them emotional regulation, I feel like that's the gas to the car to have them have success in other areas like academics, like sports, like making friends, like being well-balanced when someone cuts them in line and not losing their mind. And the best way to teach that is all the things that we've been talking about. For 155 episodes, what the actual what? And so another way to teach it, we've already talked about role-playing. We've talked about you being the one who, when you're like when they're little, using stuffed animals and playing both parts, playing the stuffed animal, the one that gets angry and the one that stays calm and the one that goes cry. We've talked about hot and cold emotions. We've talked about that a lot. Another great way, and I want to keep teaching you strats, is I always tell you, and I'm telling myself too, that lessons are always caught and not taught. Either Dave Ramsey said that or Dave Ramsey's daughter. I can't remember. But lessons are always caught and rarely taught. So you can talk until you're blue in the face to your kids and have the lectures and have the knee-to-knees. What happens over time is we become like Charlie Brown's teacher and they don't like blatantly ignore us. Like they don't do it to be disrespectful or rude. They just know that they have to get through the lecture, check the box, make eye contact, be respectful, nod your head in agreement. And if the behavior isn't changing, then we think, Hmm. if I just say it a different way, if I tell them in a different tone or I use more aggression or I use softer, or sometimes we think if we yell more, we'll get more compliance. What happens is when we yell, we're just modeling the anger that we want them to help dissipate within them. We never want to like dim their light, so to speak. We want to teach them how to regulate their emotions and nothing has gone wrong when they have their big emotions because they're always going to have them, whether they're four, 14, 24, 34, 44, 54, 64, and so on. So a great way to teach this is through examples and non-examples when they are not the main character in the story. And this is when you're on the go. This isn't like you have to sit down. The role-playing, you have to do a little more sit down and playing with them and the stuffed animals and things like that. This is taught in a different way. It's more like when you're on the go, when you're just going from thing to thing to thing to thing. It could be if you're running late, not your kids. If you're running late, what do you do? What do you say? What is your energy like? How do you go from rush, 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 rush to like slowing down and chilling out? Or if you're overwhelmed with chores in the house, the feeling of overwhelmed being at work. Everyone knows what overwhelm feels like. Everyone knows what frustration feels like. Everyone knows what anger feels like. Everyone knows what rejection feels like. But for some reason, when we see it in our kids, we act super shocked and super surprised that they're having a human emotion when we just had that emotion 14 minutes ago or maybe 14 seconds. So when we can see the humanness in our kids, we can see the humanness in ourselves and we're not so upset that we're messing up as a parent looking at our kids as evidence of how we're doing. If your kids do well in life, it has nothing to do with you. If your kids don't do well in life, it has nothing to do with you. When you check your side of the street, you can give your kids crackers and bread and water and let them watch TV all day long, and they're still going to be okay. You could have them live as a hermit and just go to school, come home, not involve them in any extracurricular, and they're going to be okay. When you start at the very basics, food, water, shelter, You give them those things, they're going to be okay because they are throbbing spirits that are here to thrive and have their own life experience. We are not as powerful as we think. When we know that we're not as powerful and if they do well or don't do well, then it takes the pressure off our shoulders to have more fun and to enjoy this parenting gig and enjoy this ride. If your kid gets straight A's at school, that's because the kids did well on their test and they studied. And yes, you set up the environment that you might have a quiet environment where they study and you might help them stay accountable. But in the end, when they get the straight A award, that's because of their effort. It's not a reflection of you. Just like if they got straight Fs. I go to extremes to kind of teach the brain how to go to extremes. It's not a reflection of you. It's that they're struggling in this area oftentimes we take credit for all the bad things that they're doing. And when I say bad, that's all relative because when you see my kids doing bad things, I'm like, that's fine with me. It's not bad I'm going to choose today. So it's all relative. It's all in the eye beholder. And it's completely made up from scratch for all of us. What is considered a good kid, a naughty kid, a well-behaved kid, it's all made up because they're all good kids. There's no such thing as a bad kid. If a kid is acting out, We just have to get super curious and not so furious because it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of something going on with them. Now, what I always like to do is when I see a behavior in a child or in my own kids or my students when I was in the classroom, I always check my side of the street. Are they absorbing that from me? And if they are, that's really good news because then that's an area of growth that I can work on and not focus on their side of the street, focus on my side of the street. So if I see my child acting out in anger and aggression and pushing and shoving, the first thing I say, are they absorbing it from me? I check my side of the street. Am I spanking? Am I hitting? Am I yelling? Am I freaking out over little things? If the answer is yes, do you see how much more power that you have? Not from a place of beating yourself up, but from a place of like, oh, they're absorbing it from me. So once I start changing my side of the street, slowly but surely, figure out how I'm gonna change this side of the street because it's hard to change. Then I'll see to my kid, and even if I don't see to my kid, you will be able to sleep better at night because you know your side of the street is clean. And then when you see the anger and aggression or whatever the behavior is that you don't like, and you ask yourself, are they absorbing that from me? And if the answer is no, then you can say, oh, that's part of what their journey is all about. I use the example sometimes, of like, let's just assume that you don't want your kids to grow up to be smokers, smoking of cigarettes, It could be vaping, it could be drinking, it could be drugs, it could be cheating on a test. Whatever that thing is, just put it, we're gonna do plug and play. So put it in there, plug it in. I'm just gonna use cigarettes as an example. You can put whatever you want in there. Let's just assume you don't want your kids to smoke cigarettes when they get older, okay? By the way, I tried my first cigarette in fourth grade. Like what? And it was menthol. So it was actually good that it was menthol because it was disgusting. I'm like, what is this? This is disgusting. Now, my parents never smoked. I had a neighbor friend, her dad smoked. We got him out of his underwear drawer. I remember like it was yesterday, I took one puff. I'm like, that was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted in my life and no more. So I think I had like PTSD from that first one. So let's just assume I don't want my kids to smoke and you don't want your kids to smoke. All you have to do is make sure that you're not showing that to them, that you're not modeling it for them, that you're not giving them access to it, that you're not smoking in their face, that you're not smoking in the car, you're not smoking on the patio. Again, I'm not saying you have to be anti-smoking for your kids. I'm just using that as an example. I'm not dissing the smokers. If you want to smoke, you smoke. You're a grown human being. You can do whatever you want to do. The likelihood of your child becoming a smoker if they see it and smell it and feel it and watch it for 940 Saturdays, I'm not saying guaranteed. It could go either way. But let's just say there's a 75% chance that they'll become a smoker. They could learn from non-example. Like I did when I took that first puff and I'm like, that was disgusting, oh my goodness. That's not gonna be something that I'm gonna do. So if you use smoking as your example of like a deal breaker for you, like, oh my gosh, I would lose my mind, I would freak out, la la la. You just have to make sure that you're not a smoker if you don't want your kids to be a smoker. And then you let go of the rest, you let go of the worry, you let go of the borrowed worry. Because if they become a smoker and it hasn't been modeled for them throughout their 940 Saturdays, then you know that's part of their soul's journey that they will figure out along the way, whether they want to keep doing that or not keep doing that. But you just know that it was never modeled and it wasn't something that they absorbed from you. So then you can let go of it. If they're 22 and they're smoking a cig, it had nothing to do with you. A lot of times we want our kids to change, but then we look at ourselves and it's so hard for us to change that we wonder why we're on the crazy cycle and no one's changing. Because kids aren't going to be like, you know what? I'm five years old. I think I need to start regulating my emotions, mom and dad. I think I need to start controlling my anger. They are just a giant mirror to us. So a great way to teach them if anger is an issue or sadness, whatever their go-to emotion, if they're going from zero to 100, I had one that was very hot and lots of aggression and anger. And then I had another one who went straight to the cold, the sadness, pouting, I'm not good enough. So I had one of each, and that's okay to have one of each, what they're doing is they're not knowing what to do with their tricky emotions. So they're looking to see what mom and dad do and then that's what they're gonna do with their tricky emotions. So a great way to model this for them is not during the heated moments and not when they're a main character of a play. I love using the example of when someone cuts you off on the road, what do you do? Talk that out loud of what you're doing, what your thought process is. If you have road rage, I don't mean like getting out of your car and beating on the other car, but I mean road rage like you're screaming at the other drivers and you're flipping out and you're yelling and you're screaming. Most likely your kids were going to go to school and when they get cut in line in first grade, they're going to lose their mind and start yelling and screaming because they feel like they've been like cheated out. Even if you don't have road rage and anger in the car, it's a great way to pretend like you do so you can show your kids when they're not the main character of what you do to regulate your emotions. Talk out loud of the things that you want to do versus what you're actually going to do because you can normalize the anger so much more. As an example, I'm on the road. Someone cuts me off. I could say something along the lines of, and this is very plug and play. I'm not telling you what to say. You take this, make it your own. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I don't want you to be a robot of Kelly because then you're going to get caught up with like, I have to say the right thing. What does Kelly say? This is when your own flavor comes in someone cuts you off, you're on the road, kids are in the back seat, eyeballs on your neck, whether you're mad or you're not mad, you can actually pretend to be mad. You can act out and overact out of getting upset about little things. So then you're teaching them what to do when they get upset about little things because in their mind, when they go to the red zone, there is nothing little about it. So if I'm upset and someone tells me to calm down, I actually wanna throw water in their face. Not really, but you get what I'm saying. That doesn't actually help for someone to help me say, calm down. So an example if someone cuts you off, someone doesn't cut you off, they're not really watching the road. You can make it all up. Be the best actor to teach this emotional regulation. And it's really easy to teach emotional regulation when you are in the green zone, when you're calm waters, when just things are just calm as a cucumber. You can act it up and talk them out loud, like pretend that someone cuts them off or you missed the red light or you're running late. You can say something along the lines of like, if someone cuts you off. Whoo, doggie. Oh, man, I feel the sweat on the back of my neck coming up. They just cut me off, and I think they yelled some mean words to me. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to, whoo, I got to take a couple deep breaths because what I want to do right now is I want to lay on my horn, and I want to bump into them. I'm so angry right now, but I'm going to take a couple deep breaths. Whoo, I'm going to turn on some Christian music. I remind myself that they're a child of God to help myself calm down, woo doggy. And I'm talking just like that, woo doggy. Silly, light, fluffy, a lot of it's made up. I'm gonna count to 10. I might have to count to 100 because I'm so angry right now. One, one thousand, two. now I sound like the count. I'm gonna count by twos, two, four. All these different things you can say and what you're doing is you're teaching them what to do when things don't go their way, when someone cuts them in line. I love the example of, unloading the dishwasher and having a stack of plastic cups. You're putting them away. They're sitting at the table, just eating their applesauce and you're living your best life. And all of a sudden, I want you to pretend to drop four or five plastic cups on the ground. You know how loud that sounds and how overwhelming that sounds? And you do the same thing, plug and play. It's all acting, it's all play acting. You kind of act it up a little bit and have fun with it. The dishes all drop. They're all plastic. Whoo, doggy. Oh, I cannot believe that just happened right now. I have to take some deep breaths because I am feeling like the anger is just creeping up. It's coming. It's coming. It feels like I'm a balloon and I'm about to pop. And you're not even talking to them. You might say, if they're looking at you, like, you ever feel like that? And they're like, yeah, girl, I do. Believe me, I do. If they're not even listening, that's okay. If they're not like watching you, that's okay too. Now, you don't want to do this when the TV is on because when the TV's on, I swear our house alarm could go off. Sometimes they're so zoned out. So acting out these different examples and talking out loud of what you wanna do versus what you will do. So I'm gonna take a couple deep breaths. I feel the anger rising. I feel it rising. Ooh, doggy! I'm gonna count to five. I'm gonna spell my name. These are strategies that you want them to try. You don't throw them all out there. You just choose one. Maybe one that you've seen them use before. I'm gonna spell my name backwards because I just need to calm down. That was a lot of glasses and I'm really overwhelmed. And I'm feeling very stressed out right now. I feel like my hair is standing up. It's so stressed. My hair is like even stressed. And then you're modeling for them as you're picking them up. And they'll probably come help you pick them up. But if you're yelling and screaming and you're actually very mad, they're going to be scared to go over and help. They're like, I'm staying away from that chick. She's losing her mind. Sometimes you've ever felt overwhelmed by chores, talking out loud. Right now, whoa, 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 whoa. My head feels like it's hurting and like explain what you're feeling. Talk out loud. Let them hear the thought process. In the talking out loud of your thought process is where they're going to learn. But you're not saying, hey, Johnny, look at me. I'm trying to teach you something. You're just talking out loud and they're absorbing it all from you. Kind of like we talked about last week about the cold. If they have a cold, Did they absorb the cold from you? If so, that's awesome because once you get rid of your cold, their cold will probably dissipate as well. But there will be times when they get a cold and it didn't come from you. It came from school. It came from just their own throbbing spirit's journey. We're not as powerful as we think we are. And when I say cold, I don't mean an actual cold. I mean figuratively, symbolically. It's kind of like the cigarettes. Are they absorbing the cigarette smoke from me to become a cigarette smoker? If so, I need to quit the smoking. If I don't want them to be a smoker, and if I'm okay with them smoking, then I keep smoking. Same with drinking, same with anger, same with TV watching, same with phone time. Whatever it is that you see in them, check your side of the street first and then like your reasons for changing it or like your reasons for keeping it. Your kids will pick up bad habits from you and that's okay. There's gonna be bigger bad habits that you wanna like, kind of like, I think I need to change that a little bit and be a better role model in that area. Not beating yourself up, but hey, I could probably work on that area. The growing and the evolving never stops. Like we can be content of where we are at the same time saying, I should probably not smoke so much around the kids. The more visual that they can see your examples and non-examples of you emotionally regulating your emotions, like of the dropping of the dishes. Like if you say I have a lot of chores to do, that just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But if they physically see the dishes drop, if they physically see someone cutting you off or seeing you get upset about someone that may have cut you off. Again, they're not watching the road, so they don't really understand all that. Model, model, model what you want to do, talk it out loud versus what you will do. Because I promise the more that you chill out, the more your kids will chill out. It's monkey see, monkey do. So don't focus so much on them as the monkeys. Not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys. (laughs) Heard that? That just popped in my head. Take your power back. Remember that we're not as powerful in our kids' lives as we think that we are. They're going to have their own journey. They're going to absorb some things from us. And then they're going to absorb some things from their own throbbing spirit that their soul's journey and their soul's contract is set to already have to go through in their lifetime. And when you focus on your side of the street and make sure that you're not smoking, you take a lot of your power back and you put a lot of the worry to rest because you ask yourself, are they absorbing from me? And if the answer is yes, then there's your curriculum. There's your pathway to parenting. Has nothing to do with the child, whether they get straight A's or straight F's. You make sure that you're setting up the environment for them to thrive and grow and cultivate their learning or their sports or their energy or the emotions, and then their soul and their soul's contract, and God will take care of the rest because we're just babysitting God's children. They came through us to teach us where we need to grow, And they didn't come from us. They're not a reflection of us and our worthiness or lack of worthiness. Because most of the times we will use our kids as a pawn to make us feel like we're doing a good job, but then we give all the power to our kids and they don't know what to do with it. And most of the times they flounder and they buckle under the pressure because a three-year-old cannot make us feel like a good parent and it's not their job and they couldn't do it even if they wanted to. So take your power back, teach them through examples and non-examples and think out loud of what you would want to do versus what you will do and let them see that process. And that will be the most powerful teaching tool to throw in your tool belt to use morning, noon, and night when they're around. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home And to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.